and my name is Laura and my name's Amanda and this is Two Witches and Spooky Spirits. Landon is your last name, correct? Yes. And she's a PhD in paranormal science, and you've been doing this about 30 years, correct? Roughly, yeah, give or take. All right. I'll just let you go in and just talk some and give us some information about what you do and everything that you've experienced, if you don't mind. Okay. Um, Just feel free to stop me if you guys have any questions or want me to cover something a little bit more in detail. Okay, you're good. But I started in the paranormal field, I was 17, 16, 17, when I started having, um, seeing my grandfather in the house that we were living in. So I kind of piqued my interest in the paranormal. And everywhere I went, I just always saw something. Um, Like some of my most memorable experiences were in Gettysburg. But with my grandfather getting back to that real quick, he would appear in a home that he had never been a part of. We didn't even own the home when he was alive. And he would be, you know, foot of my bed in the mirror and just always, always around. But it was comforting. So it wasn't anything that was, you know, freaking me out. But it kind of got me curious as to how he could be there. Because back in the 80s, the belief system was someone had to die in a home. Yeah. For it to be haunted. So that kind of was like, well, why is he here if, you know, he's never been? So I started doing a whole bunch of research on it and got me interested in it. Anytime we'd go on a vacation, I'd always seek out the ghost tours and learn about the haunted history of locations, which is why I absolutely fell in love with Gettysburg and Williamsburg. Um, Gettysburg is where I had, I think I was in my mid-20s and I had um, my most memorable experience there, actually several, but I was at Devil's Den where the, um, I don't know if you've seen the Matthew Brady photo with the uh, Confederate sniper. I have not. I haven't really done any research on Gettysburg, but I've heard a bunch of people talk about it. So I need to really get into that. But Mm -hmm. well, there's a photo that um, his assistant took because Matthew Brady wasn't quite there yet for the battle. But his assistant, in order to get ahead of the other photographers there, actually relocated a Confederate soldier from the battlefield to Devil's Den and made it look like a sniper was killed. Oh, my God. So the body had been disturbed, and there's a whole bunch of stories about whether it's true or not, but I've seen several reports come out now saying that it is true. Uh But I was there and um, just taking photos because I was a uh, photography major back then. And all of a sudden, a guy in a Confederate outfit came walking by, um, smiled, tipped his hat, didn't really say anything, not that I remember, but tipped his hat and kept walking. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, my God, wouldn't it be great to catch a photo with this guy? And as I turned around the rock, he was gone. Oh, my God. And there was nowhere he could have run to without me seeing him running away because it was the open field on the other side of these rocks. So, I mean, that was kind of interesting. And then also the same visit at Gettysburg, we were down at um, Spangler Spring with the lady in white. And while I was down there, my camera equipment kept malfunctioning. And I had someone forcefully grip my shoulder and spin me around. Uh oh. And nobody was close enough to even touch me with that force. Holy crap. <laughs> so, and that kind of sparked it even more. But I would say, majority of my time has been researching mm-hmm. the paranormal. 
and just the last five years I've actively gotten into investigating. Oh, okay. Yeah, you have a paranormal uh, research group, too, that you do with your son and your husband, right? Yes, Exploration Paranormal. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. 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 We were featured because it was one of those, you know, you don't go alone. My husband didn't want me going alone. And my yeah. son was only um, 15 at the time when I started it. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't going to take him to private residences with me. So my husband's like, I'll go with you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's how the team came about. And also we were recently featured in Real Hunts Ghost Towns. Oh, okay. That's cool. And so we explored the different ghost towns out in Nevada with this documentary crew and it was a lot of fun. Man, that's interesting. Yeah. But then I've also I'm actually I don't even know if I've updated my Facebook page, but I'm also the uh, marketing um off chief marketing officer of the Warren Legacy Foundation. Yes, I was about to say that yep. too. I'm sorry, guys. I forgot to say that. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting job, I'm sure. So how did you get hooked up with that job? It was interesting. I um was just it was COVID hit and I was bored, of course, doing a lot more research on the computer than I you know, kind of going back to my old ways where it was a lot of research and uh -huh. theories and all of that. And I came across a video of Chris McKinnell talking. And I was like, wouldn't it be interesting, you know, to join their team is kind of what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. So I found his website and did a little bit more research on them. And I was at the bottom of the website. It says, would you like to be a part of the foundation? Click here. I'm like, what the heck? I clicked there, filled it out. Um, next thing I knew, I was interviewed by his regional director of the United States and um, of Ireland. And we talked for a while. What? And they brought me on. They brought me on board as their intake coordinator. Oh man! Because I have a background in journalism. Yeah. So that helps me. So they wanted me to be the person who got all the new cases, interviewed the new cases, and figured out who would be doing them. Oh my God! That's so I started doing that, and it's I I don't know. I kind of bumped up the ranks rather quick. Yeah. Uh, because in a in a volunteer, it's any organization it, with with being a volunteer organization, it's one of those things, the more work you put in, the faster they give you more work to do yeah. <laughs> because, because you're actually doing it. And um, there was a complete reorganization. Um, a lot of the regional directors left the foundation, started doing their own things and Chris reorganized everything. And he asked me to be the regional director of the West um, United States. Cause I was living in Las Vegas at the time. And then from there, I moved to Florida. He had me take over the Northeast because it was closer to where I'm at. And we had already had a regional director in the South. So he just said, can you take over the Northeast? And then next thing I know, it's one of those things where it just snowballed. In a couple months time frame. he moved me up to admin, help with administrative work. And then he pushed me up to social media because I was rocking their social media page. And you know, I told him, I'm like, if you really want to get the word about the foundation out there, we need to bring on more admins and have one person dedicated to marketing, you know, yeah. and he, he's kind of like, okay. <laughs> and I yeah, kind you of definitely like, got our attention. So you're doing a great <laughs> job. <I know> that. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying. It's, I really love what I do. And I think even though I like the investigation part, I'm more of the research behind the scenes, you know, come up with ideas and I just, with my background, I feel marketing is more of my aspect to help him out. Yeah, that's, that's really good. I mean, like, 
that's the thing with me and Laura. Like we are so interested in this, and it's it's really like a passion. It's not something just to do. You know what I mean? Like, and I think it's awesome that we can do this with our kids. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just think it's so cool. But um, Laura, you have anything you want to talk to her about too? Mm. We're gonna ask something. I have food in my mouth. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> I burnt the root of my mouth with pizza, so that was nice. Um, All right, well, I'll let you chew your food. <laughs> what's the what's the craziest thing to happen to you while you've been on a like like out and about? I guess. Okay, um, on an investigation or just out and about? <laughs> uh, probably both. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I would have to say just out and about, it would have been my experiences in Gettysburg because I wasn't there with the intention of any paranormal yeah. research or investigation, even though I did um, meet um, Mark Nesbitt, who's the author of Ghost of Gettysburg. Oh. And we did a lot of talking and, uh, you know, back then I was starstruck because he was, he was one of my idols in the field with all of the research he's done. Um, but as far as an investigation, I would have to say we were doing, cause I was the team out in Vegas. That's no longer together. We all kind of went our own ways and we were on a residential and during the investigation we have, I'm trying to figure out how big he is, but a real big guy, like six feet tall, you know, the, the one that you envision the ghost going after first, cause they need to get rid of the strongest first. Yeah. But they always <laughs> go after the little ones for some reason. Right. They, they leave the little ones behind to, to struggle yeah. once the others are gone. But during the investigation, he all of a sudden lost track of what time, what day, what week he had no idea where he was. And okay. looking in his eyes, they were pitch black. Oh, no. And he wasn't him anymore. And I could tell. And I was just, first of all, I'm freaking out because, I mean, even without being possessed by anything, he, you know, he could just squish me with his little thumb. (laughs) Oh, my God. And and so I'm sitting there. And in the back of my head, I'm counting. I'm like, okay, I'm going to count down from, you know, it was either 10 or 20. I don't remember at the time. But, and I go, and if this doesn't change, I got to get him out of (laughs) here. Because I just got to get him out of here. And just before I got to one, he turned back to normal. And he's like, whoa, what just happened? Oh, <laughs> but, then, no. but then during the same investigation, I was helping cleanse the house. I was sealing the house with Cascaria. And she had one of these big garden tubs with those big square windows over it. Uh-huh. And I was sprinkling the Cascaria on the windowsill. And so I had to stand in the tub to do it. And it felt like something almost karate swiped my feet out from underneath me, flew Ooh. me up in the air, and I landed on both my knees in the tub. Oh, God. And it was like, that was one of those, even though I had been touched by spirits before, that was an actual eye opener for me that not only during that case did I learn that they really can possess us, that um, they can also really attack and hurt us too. Yeah, that's me and Laura actually had that happen here. We had something push us down our basement stairs. Oh. And we never knew, you know, we were just like, we've always seen spirits and we've been able to talk and, you know, hear them and all that stuff. And I don't know what it was, but it, it scared us to death. I know that both of us, but that's not like when you get to this and you think, you know, well, they say nothing can harm you, but that, that's. Yeah. And I'm a firm believer. If you stand your ground, you're good. But Mm -hmm. when I discuss that, I'm always like, you're good in the sense that you've increased your chances of not getting harmed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's always still that risk. 
Yeah, and me and hers actually now, and even before we go downstairs here, we'll say, hey, don't, you know, don't mess with me. I'm just going downstairs, you know, just like, please don't hurt me. I'm mm-hmm. not here to bother you or hurt you, so just don't hurt me. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, pretend I'm crazy. not here. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? But that's like with me and her, it's like stuff has followed us everywhere we live. Do you have that, like, occurrence or the, that same theme? that you've heard from a lot of people? I hear that a lot where it'll move. So it's more of an attachment on the person. Yeah. Um, but cause like we lived in a home, it was here in Florida before we ever moved to Vegas. And um, I called him George. <laughs> <laughs> cause it just, it felt right to call him George, but I would, he, he was um, your typical orange farmer, the overalls, no shirt, bare feet. And I would see him run from the front door into our son's bedroom, which was right next to the front door. Mm-hmm. And then he'd be gone. Um, we'd get the smell of cigar smoke. And I would be like, you know, George, you know, I don't allow smoking in the house. And it would stop instantly. Yep. You know, what's weird is that um, my, I'm not, I no longer live with my mom, but the house that she's in right now, um, when we first moved in, my mom didn't tell me anything about the like history of the house or anything. So I had no <laughs> idea, but uh I kept seeing this old man, like he'd stand in the corner of my room. And it was one of those things where you're like, I'm not really sure how to feel. Like, I don't know what your intentions are. So I didn't really, he made me feel weird. You know, like I was like, I wasn't scared, but I was like, all right, like I can definitely see you. Like, and you're just standing there staring at me and I'm a little weirded out. (laughs) And, um, well, I didn't see it with my eyes. That's what I was telling. Uh, I've told a couple of people about it. I didn't realize that a lot of psychics, they don't always see with their eyes. They see with their third eye, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I, like, I saw him like in my head. So I was like, you know, well, I'm just, I'm just imagining stuff, you know. But then after I started seeing him, like I would wake up every morning at like three in the morning on the dot. I could not get to sleep. And he'd just be standing there just like staring at me. it's creepier when they don't talk to you exactly exactly (laughs) I mean I don't I don't know he was just like I don't know if he didn't know if I could see him maybe I I don't know what it was but he he was creepy looking to me at least but because this is like my first ghost that I've like seen seen so I was like whoa okay um I was in denial I was just like oh no no I don't see you uh it's just my imagination I'm just going crazy we're in a new house you know (laughs) um and then one night I was on Skype with my fiance we were we've been best friends since we were 11 so I was telling him what happened and I hear a creak on the floorboard like right near my door where he always stands and I'm like I immediately was like "Mm, yep I know you're in here um I just watched him walk towards me and CJ could hear it he was like he was on Skype he was like is that what you're talking about he because he just watched all the colors rain from my face like it's like oh Mm -hmm. I was like I see you I see you walking towards me I was like can you just go go back that way and it just kept going like he just walked all the way to my bed and he bent over and got right at my face and just stared at me. And then he just disappeared. But I heard him walk the whole way, the creaking on the floor. And I was, it was one uh, time when I was at home by myself. Um, my mom and I do uh, oversized loads. So we're gone out of state a lot. But this time I hadn't started doing it yet. So I was at home completely by myself. So I know there was nobody else in the house that could have been like walking towards me. 
it's always i always say it's creepier when you don't know they're there and you turn around and poof they're there yeah yeah <laughs> uh, I, I don't know i don't know if he followed me into my house or not but i i still get that feeling like i wake up every morning at like three on the dot and mm-hmm. i just now it's gotten to the point to where i don't see who it is it's just a figure like it's just black i don't see what it is anymore so i don't even know if it's the same ghost or what but yeah the other night, uh, my boyfriend and I were up talking and started hearing the footsteps coming across our floor. And it was so weird. And because I was house, like, yeah. I was like, oh my God, here it goes again. I was doing it again. I thought it was just a house thing, but I don't know if maybe this, like, this p- particular spirit is just like, I know you can see me, so you ain't getting rid of my ass. <laughs> Someone pays attention to him. <laughs> yeah, uh huh. It's weird. Uh, I, I just think it's crazy that like, and then uh, one of the pictures that we found here that the person that lived here before looks just like that guy, like identical. So, hmm. yeah, that was interesting. We didn't know that, and Laura saw that. And she was like, "Mom, that's him." I was like, "I kind of figured that." But. Yeah, that's creepy when it happens, because we were um, in Goldfield investigating the Florence Mine. We were the first team to ever go in. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the investigators I was with, he was like, he came out of a room and he was like, there was a man in there and he was describing him. So mm-hmm. then the mine owner came out and grabbed a photo off the wall and he's like, is this him? And he's like, holy crap, it is. Uh-uh. So it's it's amazing, but yet creepy when you can figure out exactly who it is by a photo. Yeah. Makes it so much worse. Yeah, it does really. Um, for me, because me personally, I was like, I'm not crazy. Like, <laughs> I thought I was just, you know, like I, ha- I've always had a very vivid imagination as a kid. Like, so I was like, maybe my brain is just one of those things, you know, like you read all these articles and it's like your brain plays tricks on you when you're asleep and you actually think you're seeing all these people, but they're not actually there. Yeah. But I got a question to ask you, Heather. Uh, mm-hmm. um, do you know anything about, like, how we live across the, like, diagonal across the street from a cemetery? Okay. Have you heard anybody talk about, like, them having experiences about maybe, like, I think maybe this is kind of like a portal that goes through, like, where certain spirits go through? Have you ever read or did any investigations or research on that? Yeah, I've actually done a lot of uh, invest, not investigations. I've only done one investigation in the cemetery, but as far as research on that, and I do a lot of research on portals. Mm-hmm. And the biggest thing with cemeteries is people say they're the most haunted locations in the world because that's where all the dead bodies are. And, and it's really, they're not really that haunted to begin with. Yeah. Um, if there is a haunting, um, it 90% of the time, it's because it's a loved one was comfortable seeing their deceased loved one at the cemetery. So that was their comfort place. Um, you also have the, you know, people who think because cemetery correlates with spooky and you have everyone from people, you know, the devil worshipers, black magic, whatever, trying to cause problems. And that's where these negative energies come from, because these other groups that are trying to be malice about it actually summon them or entice them to come. And then also... Um, one thing that I know Chris will talk to you guys about, I'm sure, is self-manifestation, where the more people think about something, more likely that entity is going to happen. 
And then the same thing with portals, just because the cemetery is a popular place for these activities. That's where a lot of portals do get opened. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because when me and Laura's went, when we went up there and did our EVP sessions, it was like, it, it was like we felt like the things were following us back. But also we had our EVP, you know, um, little machine thing on mm-hmm. and it was like they were coming through, but then it was like they were coming through following us back home. So we, we were like, hey, no, mm-hmm. you need to stay there. Don't follow us home. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because those entities really aren't tied to the cemetery for any particular reason. Because mm-hmm. I know when we were investigating the Goldfield Cemetery for the uh, documentary we were filming, mm-hmm. we um, my son was really impressed because he was curious as because there was a elaborate um, Confederate soldier burial site, mm-hmm. and he was just excited about it mostly because he's like, "This is Nevada. How could a Confederate soldier be buried out here?" So it was just kind of intriguing to him. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to do an EVP session at the cemetery there, and we kept getting a woman's voice. Man. So we're oh. thinking it might have been a loved one who came to the cemetery to see him after he had passed and now hangs out because she was comfortable there. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We have this one woman on our EVP. She sounds like she's... And like distress, pain pain ever. Like she screams. Like I don't know if she's just like constantly around us, but normally anytime we do an EVP, she's there. Yeah. And I don't know what that's about. (laughs) I hope it's nobody that we're that's related to us, because that that's what scares most is that it's somebody that's in our family. But I I Mm -hmm. hope that's not the case. But. Yeah, someone who's just not happy with the yeah. afterlife. And see, my aunt, she was, um, we were really close to her, and we talked to her, we talk about her a lot in our episodes, but she died in a really weird way, and we never really had closure about it, and it's just like up in the air, but I also had her come to me in my dream and told me that nothing was, nothing bad happened. Mm-hmm. so i i guess not but you know it's still there in the back of my mind all the time like i worry about it mm-hmm. yeah and that could be i mean it, it's like my grandfather that i was talking about earlier um i he comes to me um more recently but it was odd because i i want to say i wasn't even in school yet so i had to have been less than five years old and we were outside playing in the snow and he was shoveling the patio and he just passed passed out face first in the snow is all i remember Mm-hmm. My parents got me out of there as fast as they could, and um, he had had a heart attack, and he was the. They said he had died before he even hit the ground. Oh wow! That's and, what happened to my uncle, my uncle mm-hmm. Richard. The same thing. He was cutting grass. Same thing happened. Yep. So, and that always bothered me, which is mm-hmm. why I think as I got older and I started remembering some of the stuff, which is why he started coming to me when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and then I hadn't seen him for years. And when we were in Vegas, I had been diagnosed with stage five kidney failure. And all of a sudden he came to me in a dream, told Mm -hmm. me he was there with my uncle who had died a few years prior. And he had said, it's not your time yet. You know, don't worry. Everything will work out. Cause I was already thinking my life was over at the time. Yeah. And, um, I woke up, he was standing next to me with his arm, with his hand on my arm and then just disappeared. And then next thing I knew over the next six months to a year, I went almost in full. 
I don't really want to call it remission because I don't know if you could call kidney diseases remission, but yeah. I went from stage five to stage two. Wow. That's and that's the doctors hard. have no clue why. The biopsy they did came back as a healthy kidney. Oh, so. well, you know, that's kind of like what happened. I had a, I had a cyst in behind my eye. Mm-hmm. And it scared me because they thought it was going to be like a tomb, like a brain tumor. And I was so scared. Like, I was like, oh, God, it's going to kill me, you know, and all this. And they put me on a medication to shrink it and it went away. And I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't had any more problems out of it. But I was just, it's crazy how you can go from something so bad and then it just clear up, you know. Mm-hmm. and go away even even when you don't have medication some people don't and it does that so yeah we didn't do any medication it was more or less i just healthy diet lost weight yeah and you know cut out the foods that were bad for the kidneys and even my doctor he's like he goes how can someone who almost needs a transplant you know numbers go from being deathly ill and i was healthy i felt healthy i didn't even feel sick it was just my blood work was telling me i was dying He's like, how do you go from that to being perfectly fine? That is, that is crazy. Yeah. I don't know, but it's just crazy how things work out like that. And I've, I've always wondered if that's like our family members that aren't here anymore, like kind of like our guardian angels, like protecting us. I mean, like you'll never, I guess we'll never know, you know what I mean? But no, not until we're on their side. Yep. That's true. <laughs> That is true. Um, but have you done any investigations with the Warrens yet? Have you had anything with the um, foundation? No, I actually, I've been on several cases in the aspect of I've been doing the interviews and working with the clients, mm-hmm. but I have not physically been on because with COVID, a lot of our investigations were put on hold. Yeah. So they're probably out of the country. Most of them, aren't they? We get actually, we get quite a bit here in the U.S. Really? Yeah, but it's just tough because what, you know, you don't think about it until you need to go somewhere, but it's like the U.S. is huge. Like we just got a case down here in Florida, but it's still two and a half hours away from us. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if it comes time for us to actually investigate, you know, and that's the main reason why we're trying to promote the foundation a little bit more, because any money the foundation raises Uh goes right back into the foundation. So like, let's say I had to go on this investigation, the -hmm. foundation would help pay for my transportation. And that's awesome. Do you guys get any kind of money from any of like the movies that were made about anything or no? No, because that was Lorraine Warren. Yeah. And her estate was passed on to the daughter, Judy Sparrow, from what I understand. Oh, okay. So is that Chris's sister or? That's his mom. Oh, okay. that's interesting yeah I've always wondered about that's what I was telling Laura I was like I wonder what happened like did they I know they've released some of their like tapes but did they release all the tapes did they give them to her did did he get some or how did that work I'm not 100% sure Chris could probably answer it more but I know when I've asked Chris for access to the tapes because I would love to get my hands on them oh yeah it's they're either not available because they're um either with Nesper, which was the original foundation that Lorraine founded. Mm -hmm. Um, Because Lorraine did find the Warren Foundation with Chris as a method of continuing on her legacy worldwide, where Nesper is just in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. And he had said that either they belong to Nesper and we can't get our hands on it, or they just don't exist anymore. Oh, my goodness. 
That's crazy. Mm-hmm. To like think that somebody like spent their whole life like making that big of an impact, you know, and then like people are just now kind of figuring out about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had even asked him like, well, can I see the case files? And he's like, my grandfather never did case files. Yeah, he just did. Like, I li- um, I just got through reading his book, The Graveyard. That's mm-hmm. an awesome book. Like, that book was really, really intriguing. Because, you know, that we did a story about the white lady on one of our episodes. Okay. And it was just, or the, and it's so interesting. Like, the lady <laughs> in white, and then there's, like, white ladies, and then the lady in white, and other, like, his case. I just find it fascinating that so many people seen this person. Like, I know it's not the same ghost or the same spirit, but like I was telling Laura, I, I just wonder if it's got to do with like the time frame they were from, like why they all had like the white gowns and stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I've always felt that real fascinating, like because I've seen one in white gowns. I've actually seen two in white gowns, so it's pretty interesting have you ever seen one in a white gown before also not in a white gown i've actually seen um when we were investigating a uh old museum location um Mm -hmm. up in uh in nevada they it was near it was either i can't remember if it was near or on the site of an old mormon fort Mm -hmm. Um, but i don't i think it was near because the actual old mormon fort museum was several miles away Mm-hmm. And that's where it was. But while we were investigating this museum in the hallway, just outside of where we were at, I could see um, women walking around in actual mm-hmm. um, FLDS type clothing. Oh, with the long skirts, the puffy shoulders, and then they were wearing bonnets. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's crazy. But um, that is so interesting. I'm just so fascinated. Like you went into and you just went in and did all your research and you just went in and did all your schooling and everything for your PhD. Is that correct? That I actually started um, when I when just before COVID hit mm-hmm. because it was funny because I had being in Nevada, we were two hours outside of Area 51. So, so the gears in my head started turning and I was like, you know, doing a whole bunch of research and I was looking in the getting into MUFON and doing a whole bunch of other stuff with that. And something just told me to, I did a quick Google search of, um, can you actually get a degree in paranormal, mm-hmm. you know, in the United States? Cause most of the colleges here don't offer that. Yeah. And I actually found a theological degree through the Institute mm-hmm. of Metaphysical and Humanistic Studies. And it's based out of here in Florida. Huh. And it turns out the guy who owns it is someone I knew. Oh, that's a coincidence. <laughs> and, he, and he runs it. And I was like, holy crap. I didn't know he did this all this time. <laughs> yeah. But I had been in Vegas for six years already. And it had been probably 20 since I had seen Dr. Kelly. So it was like, you know, let me look into this. I looked into it more. And it was a really good program, thorough program. I mean, yeah. a lot of people think that these, you know, non-academic programs through these theological schools are uh-huh. easy and pay for your degree and no there were many nights I was up all night studying oh my god yeah I bet <laughs> and it was I mean it was intensive and I, I ended up finishing it during COVID and was really excited and so many more doors have opened up once I was able to put that PhD on my name oh yeah I bet because that means you know what you're talking about but you also know what you're talking about anyways because you <laughs> did like journalism and all that stuff so right yeah because it was funny everybody laughs because when I was going to school at Florida Atlantic before I had my second son I was actually studying counterterrorism 
Whoa. And after going to school, because I have an associate's in journalism and photography. And then I was like, you know what, what the heck? This was during the second um, Gulf War. And I'm like, let, this is going to be, you know, very popular. And FAU was offering an international communications program mm -hmm. with terrorism studies. And it just, it, I think that program that I was in, even though I didn't finish it, has helped shape me into the paranormal investigator and researcher that I am now because I think outside of the box. Yeah. I, I try to think of alternative ways. And I even put myself, because the one thing they taught us was put yourself in the terrorist shoes. So I put myself in the ghost shoes. Oh, yeah. And mm -hmm. it's like, it's totally, totally transformed how I think. I bet. All right. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's funny, though. Me and my mom and my grandma, uh, my mom's mom, We've always like seen ghosts and stuff. My grandma's the same way. Um, she is upset. We will sit there all day when I come over to see her and just sit there and watch like ghost adventures. Like, like and then we play with the EVP thing. She loves that. We were doing that the other day. Yeah, she was in awe about that. She yeah. had, she actually, when I was over there, I was able to do one for her. And one of my grandpa's friends that like recently passed away was talking to her and she looked like she was about to cry on that. So. Yeah, it was very interesting. Mm -hmm. But, uh, all right, Heather, well, you have done awesome and answered a bunch of questions, and I'm sure we could talk to you about more things, but we're going to run out of time. <laughs> um, but if you want to go ahead and plug anything you need to plug, you can go ahead and do that. Okay. Um, well, you can find my team. Um, we have a website called at www.explorationparanormal. You can also find us on Facebook by the same name. I've recently started my own vodcast, which is exp or Exploring the Paranormal Vodcast on Facebook. It airs every other week. Um, I am also the co-host of Ghost Education 101 and The Warren Files, which air opposite weeks of each other. And you can find information on all of those shows on my Facebook page, which is at Dr. Heather Lee. And it's just Dr. Heather and then L-E-I-G-H. All right. Well, thank you so much. That was very interesting. And y'all go check out all her stuff. And we'll again sometime. So, um, but that was awesome. So, thank you for everything and thank you for just being on the show. Well, thank you for having me and let me know if you guys have any questions or need anything else. All right. Okay. Well, well, thank you. We appreciate you. Yeah. No have a good night. <laughs> thank you. You too. All right. Bye. Don't let the ghost bite. Yeah. <laughs>